Well, well, well. This was certainly not the podcast energy that I was looking to come on and record this latest episode of the Ethos Lakers show, but it's looking grim, Laker Nation, down 3-0 in the Western Conference Finals to the Denver Nuggets following a really, really crushing Game 3 loss at home, the first loss of the postseason at home for these Lakers, and honestly, I don't think anyone really expected the Lakers to lose game three nationally locally even people who aren't paying attention to the series expected it to be more of more of a series and frankly there were a lot of Lakers fans who I don't want to say expected a cakewalk but didn't expect it to even be a close game in game three as the Lakers tried to get themselves back in the series. But unfortunately, Lakers find themselves on the brink of elimination and their season coming to its conclusion. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Ethos Lakers podcast here with Ethan on a solo ride. And, you know, if the voice sounds a little hoarse between umpiring this weekend and yelling at my TV rather vehemently and rather illustratively in this game three performance, that is the reason. I know everybody wants to sit here and talk about LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and I understand that LeBron James and the national narrative will pull the headlines, and no one's ever come down from 03, right? It was all about LeBron, how so few teams have come back from 02 in the conference finals, but two of those six teams have been LeBron's teams. Now he finds himself, and the Lakers find themselves down 03, and it does not feel very good. Denver Nuggets look like they are on the cusp of going to their first ever NBA Finals. And frankly, they have some thank you cards they should send out to the Lakers organization. First and foremost, they should send a thank you card to D'Angelo Russell, who has been as invisible as Casper in this series. 8 of 27 from the field, 2 of 14 from 3, 3 of 4 from the foul line. Yes, only 4 foul, foul shot attempts in 3 games. Single-digit scoring in two of the three contests, and in the one in which he reached double figures, it was only 10 points. Played his fewest minutes in a long time in Game 3, only 20, including nine first-half minutes, because he frankly was completely ineffective. Jamal Murray has been cooking him since Game 2, and it has not been close. Russell has shown no signs of urgency, zero athleticism, zero ability to shoot the ball, and honestly feels like he's on the Dennis Schroeder contract trajectory more than he is on the Jamal Murray one. For a guy who wants to be recognized as one of the upper tier players in the game, Russell has done a lot to drive down his free agent value just ahead of him looking for a new contract. And as he said in the past, preferably with these Lakers, but we shall see because this reunion may not be exactly what so many hoped it to be. Whereas Dennis Schroeder, yes, the energy was better defensively than what D'Angelo Russell showed. And yes, Dennis Schroeder should have started the second half of game three. And yes, Rui Hachimura should have started the second half of game three. I don't want to say that Darvin Ham's decision to bring back the first five that looked so completely ineffective to start that game is the reason they lost the game, but it is certainly a rather large contributing factor. Dennis Schroeder, single-digit scoring in all three games so far, 6 of 17 from the field, 2 of 7 from the three-point line, 1 of 2 from the charity stripe. And as mentioned, only single-digit scoring in all three games. The combined production at the Lakers point guard position has been a whopping 14 of 44 from the field 
an unbelievable four of 21 from the three-point line, less than 20% from the three-point line, five of six from the charity stripe, and single-digit scoring efforts in five out of six opportunities for this pair. It just has not been enough. It has not been enough, even with Austin Reeves figuring it out, even with LeBron James and Anthony Davis doing their thing, save, I guess, for game two, right? Game two, we can put the loss on those two guys. But outside of that, this has been such an issue for the Lakers. D'Angelo Russell, I don't want to say was imperative, but he was important in both the first and second round versus Memphis and Golden State, respectively, because at least, at least those defenses had to honor what he was capable of doing because he showed his capability of doing it. Jared Vanderbilt, I am not sure why he's in the starting lineup at this point. He can't stay with Jamal Murray. He got lost on defense several times. The role players who stepped up in the past, even a guy like Lonnie Walker, lost his assignment too frequently in this one. The Lakers transition defense, to call it a work in progress, is probably the kindest thing you could call it. And beyond that, they just really didn't have the sense of urgency that you really would have wanted and hoped for them to, to have in really a season-defining game three, a game in which I don't want to say they were able to contain Nikola Jokic, but they were able to contain Nikola Jokic in the sense of he wasn't able to do whatever he wanted. Jamal Murray was unstoppable in the first quarter and especially in the first half, but he was basically rather human in the second half. The Lakers just couldn't get it together. They could never get past that hump. They went up by one. They tied the game, but they could never just start pulling away with that lead. They never seemed to have the momentum that they so desperately needed. And now going into Monday's game four, hopefully it's not the final game of the Lakers season, but going into game four, you have more questions than answers. And I'm not sure even the Lakers know where to turn. I know Darvin Ham says this team is not dead in the water. And I don't think that they're I don't think that they're lifeless, but they're certainly on life support when it comes to trying to put something together here. You look at LeBron James's performance in this series, even the game two he was dogged for, right? It's amazing because his line in game two and game three are actually very comparable, really for this whole series, right? Game one, 26, 12, and 9. Game two, 22, 9, and 10. Game three, 23, 7, and 12. His, his, his performances have been rather comparable. The only asterisk we'll say is that he actually made some threes in game three. He still took way too many. I don't understand for a team that is not a good three-point shooting team why this continues to be the strategy to implore time and time again. In game two, Anthony Davis made one from the corner. They said, oh, one worked. Let's do it every time. LeBron came into this game, into game three, 0 of 10 from the three-point line in the series. So what did he do? He shot nine of them in game three. Granted, he made three of them, but that makes him a whopping three of 19 from the three-point line in this series. Game one, the one in which the Lakers almost clawed their way back into the game after falling, falling down and basically falling apart, they were 11 of 24 from the three. They got hot late and they kind of got a little electric from the three-point line. And that was not emblematic, unfortunately, of what's to come. Game two, they were a whopping eight of 30 from the three-point line. No one is going to respect you at eight of 30 from the three-point line. When you shoot barely above 25% from distance, they're going to sag off you like your name is Draymond Green, okay? So what do you do in game three? We see that this is not working. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to shoot more threes. They took 32 in game three and only made 10. So really, you want to talk about three-point shooting? Yes, LeBron is an easy target. Really, any individual is not named Austin Reeves on this Lakers team or Rui Hachimura on this Lakers team. But the reality is, as a team in these two games, 
the Lakers shot 18 of 62 from the three-point line. Let me help you with the math. That's 29%, and it's not going to get it done. I do not understand why the Lakers have it not just a tendency, not just an inclination, but it feels like a true desire to try and beat their opposition at the opposition's game. Why are you not exerting your will? Game six against Golden State was beautiful for a lot of reasons. My favorite part about that series clinching game is that the Lakers took it to the Warriors. They did not wait around and look to beat the Warriors at their own game. No. Instead, what they did is they went into that game and said, we are going to beat this team, the defending champions, our way. We are going to use our strengths. We are going to figure out how we can exert ourselves and exert our energy and exert our will on this opposition that everybody expected to be better than us. And that's exactly what they did. Against the Nuggets, that is not something that we have seen. Against the Nuggets, who, as I said before, look, JC and I both came onto the show and said Lakers in six, right? JC was feeling especially confident that the Lakers would win this series. I felt good that the Lakers had a real chance. But I said repeatedly, I said, this is going to be a tough series for the Lakers. Denver has all these guys who are just, just annoying enough. Like Jeff Green. I, I, really? Bruce Brown. Been great for them all season. Aaron Gordon. He's not talked about because you have Jokic. You have Murray. You have Michael Porter. But Aaron Gordon, borderline all-star this year. Regular season, averaged 16 and six and a half, nearly shot 60% from the field. I mean, Aaron Gordon, I remember when Denver traded for him. I said, really? You want Aaron Gordon on that contract? Really? I'm really surprised. And you know what they've done? Magnificent things. He's been a wonderful fit. KCP, you made your fair share of threes for the Lakers, but I'd never remember you playing like this when it matters like like that. I mean, just everything that the Nuggets are doing right now seems to fit so well. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. Even when Jamal Murray was literally hotter than fish grease on a skillet in the middle of the summer in game three, he still didn't get too high. And they were able to still keep their composure. Now, let's zoom out for a second. Let's exercise from some perspective, right? No one, not you, not me, Not anyone else listening expected the Lakers to be here, right? No one, especially when the season began, said this looks like a Western Conference Finals team because it was a different team. Even at the trade deadline, the Lakers will be lucky to get into the play to the play in and then eventually to the playoffs. Right. So this is not exactly a failure. I know that Giannis clip has been going around all playoffs after he and the rest of his Milwaukee compadres were eliminated by Jimmy Red Hot Butler and his friends in Miami. Talk about another series. Talk about the NBA shitting itself right now, looking at a Nuggets Heat Finals instead of Lakers Celtics. That's what they want for sure, right? But it just, it... What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. 
When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. No one expected the Lakers to be here. No one, nobody. And the fact that they got through Memphis, I think more people were ready to digest that because Memphis was not a great team for the second half of the season. And that was with all the John Morant stuff, even before the most recent John Morant stuff. By the way, if the NBA doesn't suspend John Morant for at least half the season in 23-24, then Adam Silver is never going to have another leg to stand on. John Morant looked at that man, the commissioner of the league in the eye, and said, this is not who I am. This was a mistake. I will learn from this. Had a suspension, had a playoff run, and then before the NBA playoffs are even close to over, he does the exact same thing. And by the way, did we ever figure out if he even transported that that first gun, right? Did he transport it? No, that, that police investigation seemed to come and go pretty quickly. I don't know who John Morant thinks he is, but he's not that dude. He is not that dude, doesn't have to be that dude. And all he's doing is taking himself out of contention for being the face of the league going forward. It's embarrassing for him. And whatever statement he gives at this point, miss all of us with that because it's just bullshit. It is so manufactured, written by lawyers, vetted by agents. It is not John Morant. It is like he is rehearsing a script. It is a joke. I think about his daughter and what she will grow up reading about her dad and what kind of impact that will have. And John Morant, young kid with a lot of money and a lot of life in front of him and a lot of opportunity to do good. It doesn't have to go like this. These are choices that you're making. And speaking of choices to make, the Lakers are certainly going to have some interesting ones, assuming that this series is just about over. I do expect the Lakers to win game four. I don't expect them to get swept. I think that would be an embarrassment for LeBron, and I don't think he wants to go out like that. But it would not surprise me if this series ends in five or six games. If it gets to a seventh game, it will be an absolute miracle. And still, I don't expect to win at that point, obviously. This feels like a series that has a five-game ending mark. This feels like a series that was decided last night, even though it's only three games and it's not the fourth and final. And it feels like a series in which one team smells blood in the water and the other team's thinking about what it's going to look like next season. Lakers have a lot of choices to make. Rui Hachimura, free agent. D'Angelo Russell, free agent. Austin Reeves, free agent. And yes, Austin Reeves is going to have a choice to make himself. I could easily see a team offering Austin Reeves 16 to $18 million a year. Four years, $64 million. Four years, $72 million. Most of the Lakers can offer him is four years and $50 million. Austin Reeves, how bad do you want to play in Los Angeles with LeBron and Anthony Davis? Austin Reeves, undrafted free agent guy who basically the league said, you're not good enough for us. Guy who's had to earn it his entire way. It's why I never blamed Alex Caruso when he left the Lakers, especially when they lowballed him. This is a limited earning window for these guys who do not have the guarantees in front of them. Austin Reeves is about to walk into some life-changing money. We shall see what it turns out to be. But if you ask me today the most likely scenario, I would say, well, I think I feel pretty good about Rui Hachimura returning to the Lakers. Outside of that, I truly don't know. I don't know about D'Angelo Russell or what he will be in search of his next contract. 
right? Can you get D'Angelo Russell on a one-year deal so he can prove himself ahead of free agency again? Then maybe it's an interesting conversation. Dennis Schroeder, are you going to pay him? That he's been he's been fine on the minimum, as we said. Both of these guys have been lesser than themselves, to say the least, in this series. But are you gonna pay Dennis Schroeder? Because this team still needs more. Yeah, you have you have a team option on Vanderbilt, you're gonna exercise. Malik Beasley's on an expiring contract at a very inflated number. Maybe you can use that to move on because he is glued to the bench. He has no plans in Darvin Ham's rotation. He is not someone I feel like the Lakers are counting on going forward. But you look at this team up and down, and I laughed when, when Woj dropped the Mo Bamba report yesterday. Oh, he's been out with an ankle injury, but he might be available in game four or five versus Jokic, as if that's going to make some fucking difference. <laughs> like, give me a break. The Lakers are still a flawed team, even though they are so much better constructed than what we saw to begin the year with Russell Westbrook and co. But they are still a flawed team with a flawed roster. Also, their offense is in need, major need of an overhaul. It cannot just be pick and roll, pick and roll action, side pick and rolls and isos. It needs to be more than that. Their players need to move without the ball. People need to stop standing and watching LeBron and Anthony Davis like they're a fan sitting courtside. If they're on the court, we're wearing a Lakers jersey. I understand it's difficult. I understand these are high-pressure moments, a lot of which these guys have never been in in their lives, save for LeBron and AD. But for a team that came into the Western Conference Finals going, job's not finished, job's not done, we want to get to the championship, we want to win a championship, it has not looked like they want to win a championship. But it has looked like they have run into a better, more complete team. And frankly, the Nuggets should be better. Let's, Let's call it what it is. Do you believe Nikola Jokic is the best player in this series? Because if you do, Denver has the best player. Do you believe Jamal Murray has been the second best player in this series? If you believe that, then they have the second best player in this series. Now, I'll take LeBron James and Anthony Davis over Jamal Murray any day, any day and every day. But in this series is the question. And do you believe that the Nuggets have gotten more from their ancillary players than the Lakers have? Because if you believe all those things, it shouldn't be a surprise. Also, Denver, they have continuity. The Nuggets have been playing together for just about as long as the McNuggets have been being served at McDonald's under the Golden Arches. And whether it's sweet and sour or barbecue, they're straight up cooking these Lakers right now. And that's the reality. I was worried about how my energy was going to be because it's been frustrating to watch this group. Even from the initial tip, I said, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good. When the Lakers come out with a good pace, you can feel it instantly. They get good quality shots right away. The ball's moving. People are moving. From the onset in game three, it was a lot of isolation. It was a lot of standing and watching. It was a lot of hoping other guys were going to make a play of some type. And it just never came together. So now the Lakers sit here. And they find themselves somewhere in between looking at themselves in the mirror and trying to forge forward and trying to move on to get to a game five. If they weren't thinking about one game at a time before, they certainly have to be now. 
It is a credit to this locker room that they have been able to stick together. It's a credit to the locker room that Darvin Ham has been able to get these guys to continue to buy in, especially from the onset, especially after the trade deadline. It's a credit to Phil Handy for the player development we've seen from guys like Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura in his short time in Los Angeles. There are a lot of things that have gone right for the Lakers this season. But unfortunately, when you get to this stage of the game, there's only one thing that matters and anything else is often seen as a disappointment. But to quote Giannis, just because you don't win a championship does not mean the season has been a failure. And it depends from what perspective you're talking. Organizationally, this season has been a success from the Lakers in terms of taking a step forward, in terms of turning the page. Organizationally, this season has been a success in terms of turning it around. From a player perspective, Anthony Davis is finally showing signs of consistency to be dominant on both offense and defense. You'd love to see that if you're the Lakers. But if you're LeBron James, I'm not saying your time is limited, but let's go, man. Time is limited. So anything short of a championship, I don't know that he will consider that to be a success. Right? I don't think he considers that to be a success. Austin Reeves this season has been a smashing success. No matter what happens next. Smashing. Rui Hachimura, since coming to the Lakers, people realize that he's actually a talented player. Because in Washington, people were saying this guy should sit on the bench in favor of Denny Abdija. So think about that. It's all dependent on the perspective that's shared. But right now, there's no Lakers fans who's taking home a participation trophy and feeling good about it. There are no Lakers fans we're going home saying, well, I am so happy that Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals and anything else is just a bonus. And there are certainly no Lakers fans saying, God, I feel good about where this team is right now. Down 0-3, looking to get at least one to try and force a game five is never the position you want to be in. But unfortunately, that's where the Lakers find themselves. If the Lakers are going to win game four, big if. If the Lakers are going to win game four, they will absolutely have to make a change to the starting lineup. If Darvin Ham does not change the starting lineup ahead of game four, then it's clear that this season is over. That's the message that's being shared in the locker room. If the Lakers are going to win game four, everybody on that team has to show up at the facility going today with the same attitude saying, we must get the next one. Then we will move on to the one after that. The Lakers are going to win game four. They simply have to get more from the point guard position. I don't care if that means starting LeBron at point guard. I don't means I don't care if it means benching D'Angelo Russell. I don't care if it means Dennis Schroeder goes for 25. I don't care if it means D'Angelo Russell goes for 40. Whatever it means, they have to get more from that position. And God almighty, please attack the paint and stop shooting the three. You're 18 of 62 in your last two games. How's it working for you? It reminds me in education... When a student struggles in a core subject and someone says they should practice more. Yes, a kid who struggles with math should be given more math. That sounds like a great plan. Maybe we should attack it from a different angle. The analogy is not perfect, but I know you get my point. The Lakers have to care more than Denver. The Lakers have to show a greater urgency than the Nuggets. And if they can't do that in Los Angeles, in the house that Kobe built then they are simply not ready for the moment. We'll see how it shakes out. We'll be back on the next one. Down 3-0, we hope for a Game 4 victory to keep the season alive and the wheels turning. Until then, 